Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Another episode of the Kingdom Says Podcast. I am your host, as always, Garrett Williams. And today I am joined by two very special dudes. First off, we got my usual co-host, Kyle Henning. Kyle, how are you doing today? It's Red Friday. It's Washington football team week. Hey, I got that right this time. There was no mm. other things. Um, Yeah, pretty good. Ready to go. Ready to get a hopefully less stressful and annoying weekend underway. Yeah, and help to help us talk about that hopefully less stressful uh, and annoying weekend, we got our good pal, uh, the beat of Kansas City himself, Lucas Murphy. Lucas, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to talk Chiefs. And uh, unlike Kyle, I'm getting my haircut and my beard trimmed down tomorrow. So I'm really looking forward to that. Kind of, uh, you know, been waiting to get that done, so... Yeah, no, I had to add the headband because uh, it started to get it in the face and had to pull it back. It's all up in the grill. It's got to get to the right length. But I would no, just wear none a of those coming anytime soon. I always wear a hat because my hair is always out of control, so I just don't even choose to deal with it. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about, obviously, the Washington football team game uh, this upcoming Sunday. There's a lot to talk about here. Um, I guess we can start off with just the the you know the, the pregame stuff, the injury report and all that stuff. Uh, so the Chiefs... I uh, have a, a few injuries reported, not as many as Washington does, um, but they do have three confirmed people who will be out for the game. Charvarius Ward, Blake Bell, and Chris Jones, who will be missing his second game, um, which is unfortunate to say the least, uh, just because so far we haven't gotten much of presence from anyone on that D-line, and uh, now we're losing our, arguably our best guy on there. So We have yet to have our defensive line projected starting unit play one series together as a unit but since the beginning of the season yeah it i i think it's crazy i think uh I, I but my also take on this too is i'm okay with chris jones maybe sitting out of this one just because of on the opposite end of what they're kind of dealing with as well plus the opponent we're facing so if we're going to sit out games, then let it be this one so he can get healthy and, you know, we can take on the, the AFC West in and, and a healthy status, hopefully. Yeah, I hopefully agree. this Fully. will be a, less of a challenging game that we don't necessarily need Chris Jones in it. Got it, better be. Yeah, and then we also have a couple guys questionable. Anthony Hitchens, Tyreek Hill, and Joe Tooney um, are all questionable. I believe Joe Tooney's probably going to play uh, Hitch and, and Tyreek are definitely questionable though still um i would it's crazy because i would expect for the injuries listed tooney should be the one that's most questionable but yet isn't because 
he broke it like what first quarter last week played the whole game with it and the report was that his own teammates didn't know he broke his hand during the game yeah that's um, some serious determination right there is he, he questionable he's... for guard or receiver <laughs> you saw that clip today too yeah, yeah. he was out there boy, catching passes boy out there catching balls with a club apparently <laughs> uh, oh man i wonder if that's his warm-up because i thought it was just hilarious how he just jumped in line yeah that was well and i wonder funny. if I wonder if that's routine for the linemen as much as we've seen Andy use, um, oh, yeah. well, Jesus, Fish. Uh, who got tackled last year? Was that Rimmers that got – well, Rimmers had yeah, the negative two year. yards or whatever, yeah, but one of them got so tackled far. for a penalty. One of the one of the tackle eligibles, big boys, got hauled down for a P.I. call at the end last year. Oh, also. I do remember that. Yeah, I forget who it was. I can't was, remember which though. one it was, but he got absolutely mauled trying yeah. to get out into the flat. Um, Dude. so I wonder how often that's a normal thing for the linemen. Also, I'm sure it's probably a fun thing to go out and catch a pass or two from, you know, Mahomes or whoever's throwing the balls out to him. But, uh, it, it's interesting with, with Tooney. I, I, Tooney's probably playing. I don't see that he's not going to play. I would expect you to see Tyreek and Hitchens also, um, just based on kind of what they are. Tyreek's, I think was a bruise. Yeah, I believe Anthony or uh, not Anthony. Andy Reid said that uh, Tyreek was out there bouncing around, and I think he even said some good things about Hitchens too. So, um, hopefully, hopefully, especially Hitchens is good to go. Uh, yeah, looks like it's just going to be Ward and Chris for the most part. Yeah, and the, as much as I would like to have the whole unit on the field at one or t- once or twice during these games that aren't quite necessarily against your expected playoff contenders, shall we call them. Um, I understand resting guys because, again, these aren't expected playoff contenders and these are teams you're supposed to beat. So, yep. So hopping over to Washington's side, they have a lot more people listed on the entry report. Um, first off, they have Sam Cosme, who is listed as out already, um, who's their starting, I believe he started at right tackle for them all season. He's been having a decent. That's the rookie out of Texas. Yeah, and he's been having a decent rookie season so far. Uh, so he's unfortunately out. Jared Norris, the linebackers out. Curtis Samuel, their mm-hmm. wide receiver, is out. He's been struggling to get on the field all season. Um, Brandon Scherf is out. Their uh, their guard that they just paid a lot of money this season, this off season. Good. And Lord. then also Cam Sims, wide receiver, is out. Uh, so a lot of guys already out, and then they have. Uh, I think they already rule and. And Diami is yeah, Diami trending doubtful slash out. I saw that earlier. Yeah, I think Diami is probably going to be out. And then uh, Terry McLaurin is questionable. Sammy Reyes tight end is questionable, and Antonio Gibson's questionable. So at this point, Ricky Seals Jones is like their number one receiver. Yeah, who option? Who yeah, because else? Logan Logan Thomas is their starting tight end. He's, he's on, on IR. IR. He's not... And then John Bostic is that stud linebacker that's been there. He's on the IR too. So they really are – they just are hit with the injury bug. That They're battling it out between Baltimore on who gets the most. Yeah, yeah and, then they, and they already lost Fitzmagic for the year, which yep. means you've got Heineke as the quarterback at this point. Which I'm sure we'll talk about, but scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, let's just dive into that right now then since we've, we've basically covered the injury front. Washington's going to be – uh, out there sh- with an injured core for for we, we did the mention least. there's no Blake Bell in this game either. <laughs> of course, Blake Bell. Um, but yeah, jumping into <laughs> Washington's offense and what we can kind of expect, uh, we do have Taylor Heineke leading the leading the charge. Lucas, what do you kind of expect from Taylor Heineke today? Or Man, you today? know, I mean, 
I think he's just he's a fearless type of quarterback. I think he he wants to earn a spot. I think he felt like he earned a spot, and then they bring in Fitz Magic, and now again he's given an opportunity. And I mean, we've we understand that everybody wants to play the Kansas City Chiefs as if it's their Super Bowl. And let's just be real, the the Washington football team is not going to the Super Bowl this year. So this would be a great chance for them to do an upset. I th- I'm sure the hype is there. Um, and I, I think, honestly, my comparison to him is like a poor man's Josh Allen. I mean, I'm not saying he's Josh Allen, but I think if you're going to compare him to somebody's type, it would be that where he can, if the pocket starts to collapse, he has the ability to get out and scramble uh, for yardage, but also kind of has that gunslinger mentality Um and I think that's a little bit scary just because of how our defense has played this year. Yeah, Taylor Heineke is definitely uh, an unknown, but from what we've seen from him so far, I think there's definitely uh, there's definitely like some potential there. And joining us to talk about uh, some of Taylor Heineke's potential and also the rest of this game preview, our usual co-host, Mr. Arrowhead Tom. Tom, how are you doing today? Oh, your mic's muted. Well, I was going to say I'm good, and then I started and came into the show not only late, but with a muted mic. So we are. That's usually my job. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's been a long day, boys. So, <laughs> but hey, this is just what I need. Talk about some football with some good people. Yeah. So, Tom, um, we're, we're I... talking about Taylor Heineke um, previewing this game. Lucas mentioned how he's kind of a wild card of a, of a mm-hmm. quarterback, but. Uh, he's got. He's shown that he's kind of a gunslinger, and he's not afraid to risk it. Um, what do you kind of expect from him in this this offense for Washington? Man, it's hard not to just kind of like Taylor Heineke as a player. Like he's just, I don't know. You, he's kind of that, he's got that under underdog swagger that you just you gravitate towards as a sports fan. And so, um, I think any other week I'd be like, yeah, that's a pretty cool story. But I hope he's miserable this week. <laughs> um, I think it's going to depend a lot on, on how the pass rush affects him if, if it does at all. So that's going to be a big, big part of it. And, um, I, it could be a little bit of a surprise for, I think for some people, especially with, you know, some of the, the guys who are banged up and no Chris Jones and still no Charvarius Ward, um, you know, we could make him look a lot better than what he kind of normally is. And again, he's, you're kind of rooting for him, <laughs> um, you know, most days. But, yeah, I think he is. He's he's very um, un- unorthodox. He has some, uh, yeah, not afraid to make plays out of structure. And he just he's one of those guys who really is divine, defined by the grit in his game, just willing to go out and, you know, do what it takes to, to get it done. Yeah, I really he's, do uh, like Heineke. For those of you guys who aren't aware, because he – kind of came out of nowhere. He was an XFL quarterback, I believe, um, yeah. while that league was still up and running. And uh, a CFL most... quarterback, I believe, as well. I yeah. Think most most memorable clip from him is the beer chug in the locker room for the Bud Light Sally after one of their wins, I think, in the XFL stuff. But um, he's he is a guy that's going to be a little mobile. I think you're probably more towards Jalen Hurts than Josh Allen, um, I <laughs> if I was going to make comps there. Um, obviously they made Jalen Hurts look better than they needed to, but Hey, there's that. I think the guy that they're going to try to use the most with them is JD McKissick probably would be my assumption just based on matchups and what our defense, um, struggles with running backs out of the backfield. Um, I do think you're going to get some opportunities with him because of the mentality you mentioned of the gunslinger a little bit, willing to put it in some dangerous places. Tyron Matthew could have a, uh, could have a nice day 
on mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, he has a way of typically making some of those guys think they can do something with a ball and then taking it from them. Um, so I, I think that adjustment will probably, I think you might see some of that with him. I also think the um, fingers crossed everything that we've been seeing reported <clears throat> that Juan starts to t- make that swap on the back end that allows Tyron to play the position mm-hmm. that Tyron is best at, um, yeah. which is that, Ed Reed slash whatever trick you into making a play, make you think you've got a spot and then be smarter than you and beat it to the spot and take it. Like that's what he does. That's what he's good at. That's what he's best at. Um, So I think with Heineke provided the pass rush stays disciplined. I'm not even really as worried about them getting fully to him. Just don't let him get out and away. Um, Keep the structure, keep the pass rush lanes and keep him contained and I, they don't have the weapons, as we talked about with the injury report right now, to really threaten most of the time. Um, this this should be a get-right game for this defense against this offense from the Skins. Or they really shouldn't call them the Skins anymore. They're not the Skins. Yeah. The <laughs> football team. It's going to happen at least once. Yeah. Oh, I, really I got should. it right before we started, and when we started originally, and then that came out. So, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> it's it's, it's taking, taking a little bit of an adjustment period for sure. But I don't know. It should – all accounts are, are – or lean to believe that this should be a good tune-up game for the Chiefs' defense. Because um, like you said, they just uh, have definitely made opposing quarterbacks and teams look a lot better than they maybe are. Um, just because they don't they don't really know what they're doing a lot of the time. And that's you know partly because there's guys playing in positions that uh, they probably shouldn't be. <clears throat> Dan Sorensen. Um, <laughs> and then there's just other you know injuries and everything like that. Injuries are going to be a big key to this game because there's injuries on both sides of the ball of like really key players. Um, so it's just going to be whoever can step up, especially on that defensive line for the Chiefs. Here's my thing: we talked, we heard Spags talk about it, right? So this is what Spags said, and and well, not even just Spags, but Merritt and other guys. Uh, the eye discipline thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just Dan that that's happening with because. If you, everybody was killing Hitch, why are you running 40 yards downfield? Where were you going? Well, when you're trying to do multiple people's jobs and you're not doing just your job, you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. That looked to me like one of those instances. And it's not Nick's fault. I'm not knocking Bolton. I'm not knocking. It is what it is. He's a young guy. He's So you got guys on this defense that have been playing in it in a while, and then you've got some new pieces in there that maybe don't know, and now you got guys trying to overcompensate and overcorrect, and it leads to blown assignments, blown coverages, mistakes. So I hope this week we start to see this defense start to just try to do each of their jobs and let the other guys learn or get exposed and not try to cover up for them and make things up for them. And I think it will help this defense, but I may be in the minority here because it, I, I'm I'm trying to be as positive about how bad this defense has been as possible. So, you know, I would like to see honestly Willie Gay have just a tremendous game to kind of boost. I think that would boost morale for not only this defense, but I think it would boost the morale for like the fandom when it comes to this defense. I think if he's flying around after his tweet about kind of his mental state and just kind of where he's at, and then if he comes out and just has a ball game like. I think that would really send a message and truthfully kind of be that positive spark that this defense needs. I think also if, if like you said, Juan Thornhill starts to kind of overpass 
some of Sorensen's play. I don't think Dan Sorensen needs to be benched completely because I do think he has a role. But mm-hmm. I think if Juan Thornhill is playing, you know, coverage where he should be playing coverage and then Dan's doing his in-the-box stuff, kind of the blitzes we're seeing, which is where he needs to be, then I think that's where we see this football team, specifically the defense, kind of start to turn around. Yeah, and I think that with the defense, you know, we said this last week um, with Dan Sorensen specifically, you're asking him to do things. You're you're playing him to his weaknesses instead of to his strengths, and it's kind of it's you know confusing as to why that that's happening. But there's a lot of pieces on this defense that have been moved around, that have been out of position, that have been banged up, and it's really not been a complete unit all season. And one of the things we'll talk about, like in terms of the, especially the coverage, one of the reasons why the coverage has looked extra bad this year is because quarterbacks are not being affected at the line of scrimmage. The pass rush outside of Chris Jones, and and I'll, I'll give a shout out to Mike Dana, who's you know been solid, but most of his stuff stuff has been you know those cleanup sacks, second effort, you know when there's coverage, you know more long developing plays. Um, Outside of, outside of really Chris Jones, there's not been somebody who has affected the passer in a way. And, and again, we're not just talking, oh, you need more sacks. You need to make sure you're putting pressure on the guy to to disrupt that timing. People, you'll hear, you know, guys talk about as the games go on, announcers talk about the, t- the rhythm of a, a quarterback, you know, their, their timing in their head. Well, defenders have the same thing in coverage. You know, you're not expecting to, to be in coverage for eight, nine, ten seconds plus. We saw that on that one long touchdown with Dan Sorensen. People said, well, he just gave up. No, he just, like, he wasn't anticipating this have to still be covering somebody. He thought that the rest of the defense would get to the quarterback. There's no excuse for it, but, you you know, that plays in as a defender is you're you're waiting on other people to to get their job done, and and you, you know, again, and especially in coverage, is the reason why I never, you know, they didn't put me back there at safety or anything when I played, you know, like <laughs> – um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to be able to to run and cover for a long time, but um, at the same at the same time, if your defensive line isn't getting pressure, it makes your day a lot a lot harder, and you wear down a lot faster because you're you're having to run a lot more. Yeah, Josh so, Allen had so much time in the pocket. So here's the thing, Tom Tom touched on the two points. This defense has two huge problems. One, they cannot cover people inside two seconds. The ball's coming out. You have to cover for longer than two seconds, especially with a pass rush that is struggling mightily to get any pressure inside two and a half seconds, usually what they use to determine a successful pass rush pass rush win rate at. So if you can't cover anybody longer than two seconds and your mm-hmm. pass rush can't get home inside three seconds, that's a recipe for what we call disaster, which is why... <laughs> This is the seventh worst defense in league history through five weeks. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's kind of been my argument too, though, is like I personally don't feel the secondary outside of the exposure of Dan Sorensen in, in a role that he shouldn't be playing. I don't think that this secondary truly has been just atrocious. I just don't because we've given quarterbacks – Tom nailed it. Like you've given quarterbacks so much time to throw and you are you have NFL receivers running crisp routes – and the defense is trying to respond to that. When you have all the time in the world to then kind of do your thing and run around and try to find an opening, that's difficult. And if we're applying pressure, I think this secondary is actually a, a standout secondary. But due to the fact that we can't touch the quarterback uh, outside of roughing the passer, um, 
I just, that's the problem to me. And that's been my biggest issue is, you know, we, when you really hone it in and narrow it down, it's the fact that we are not just even getting to the quarterback. Well, yeah. And especially you think about just like, not only like when you look at Josh Allen, he had a lot of time back there, but also he was super comfortable the whole yes. game. Like mm-hmm. even when he was outside of the pocket, he was just comfortable in space because he wasn't like, there was no pressure. There was no, um, like aggression or any kind of like there was no life really shown from the Chiefs mm-hmm. defense versus the Bills like Josh Allen would sit back there and then if he didn't see anything he would just run and he would like it, there was definitely no plan when he was just running he was just looking at mm-hmm. these wide open holes and and exposing them and there was no one like even when on the end of the play like no one would come up and hit him or like I know you can't really do that anymore but it's like it's just showing that you know <laughs> you have aggression that you have life as a team and okay. the Chiefs defense just was not showing half, that. All of what you guys said, the second half I fully disagree because that's not how that defense played in the second half. Also, Willie played in the second half and really didn't play that much in the first half on defense from what I can mm-hmm. tell on rewatch. So that does make a difference, I think. Um, also, yeah, you can't hit the quarterback because when you hit him legally with a dictionary definition of what the <laughs> NFL wants you to do, it's a 15-yard penalty. So, uh, again, you if you can't cover them longer than two seconds, and you can't get a pass rush inside three seconds, you're going to give up yards and points. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the it's bad. The The pass rush is bad. It's not 2008 levels of bad, for those of you who are around for those days. Oh, sacks in one season. Violence. Why so much violence on a Friday uh, night? I know. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so it's not it's not that bad. So, we, you know, I know we've had some – there's been some takes this – this week you talk about historically bad defenses, and uh, I remember suffering through that that season. Did um, we get a really good defender in the draft after that season? Um, Eric Berry, yeah, um, which did not help with the sacks. But that was the year we got Glenn Dorsey, um, yeah. who did not help with the sacks. That was that was fun. <laughs> the, that was he was a, he was a sack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, not the worst it's ever been, but it's definitely a vital part, and it's and it's. It is hard in the NFL now to get sacks on a quarterback because offenses are so quick at getting rid of the ball and quarterbacks are more athletic. So you can't measure it necessarily just by sack production, but it's just if you watch the game, you're not getting penetration, you're not getting that that quick, you know, that quick pressure and forcing guys to to make make throws that they normally wouldn't. And some of that, you know, you talk about Chris Jones and the changing of his position and you can argue, you know, all you want, but the quickest way from point A to point B is a straight line. And so in some ways having Chris Jones, you know, closer to the quarterback um, as a pass rusher of his skill level was, was beneficial to this team. But at the same, you know, in, in that same sentence, you have to have guys around him. Otherwise you're just going to get triple teamed in the middle and that straight line suddenly becomes a brick wall. So it's, it's a complicated game of, of getting to the quarterback, but that's that's the single area where I think the Chiefs have to improve both like in this season, but also retool it during the offseason. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. All right, so flipping over to the Chiefs offense now. Um, obviously, we didn't see a very cohesive Chiefs unit versus the Bills on Sunday night. Um, Patrick Mahomes looked off on a lot of his throws. Uh, there was a lot of timing issues throughout the whole offense, really. The offensive line played good, so that's a positive, and that's going to be a big talking point going into to this game, obviously with Washington's uh, devastating D-line that they have. But uh, overall, the narrative around Washington's defense this year really has been that they've you know, not really lived up to the hype that they had last season. Like last season, they were pretty much the reason that the Washington was in the playoffs, and now this season they are not really living up to that same expectation. So I was stupid high on Washington's defense at the, before this season started. <laughs> I expected was. that defense. Like we looked at the schedule and honestly, that was the game that I circled for a huge trap game because of that defense. Mm-hmm. And it just hadn't been there. Now we talked about injuries, but they don't look anything like they did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did Ryan Kerrigan go to the Eagles this year or is, has he been there multiple years uh he went this this offseason this this offseason and i wonder if a big part of that too is that and i'm not saying he was all world or anything but i'm wondering if his presence is kind of missed in that aspect that's a that dude was a long time veteran leader in that locker room he had been there for quite a while he's one of the pieces that had been around and been a standpoint and, and if i was just guessing was probably a fairly decent mentor and a fairly big help to chase young and and sweat and these young Mm -hmm. guys that they're using that now don't really have that dude in that locker room and are now that dude. And we've seen with this franchise sometimes when you go from having that dude around and then that dude's gone and somebody else has got to be that dude, it's a lot harder to do for some of these guys. It's Mm -hmm. not the same thing. The kind of attention and the kind of notice that you get when you're that guy is drastically different than when you're just another dude who's who's just expected to do his job. You know, and that kind of makes me – I'm kind of curious, and I I pay attention to, like, the national media, but Chase Young really isn't having that tremendous of a year, and you don't really hear a whole lot mm-hmm. about it. And I wonder, you know, why why that isn't the thing, because I feel like he tried to be that guy when he called out Tom Brady, and then mm-hmm. it's almost like as if that got brushed under the rug, like <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's – it's just interesting that, you know, he is who he is. I mean, his nickname's the Predator, and that's one person I'm excited to even watch in this game just because he's gonna be going against Orlando Brown. And but mm-hmm. I, I think I think he's gonna be one to watch. And I really was hoping to see John Bosick. I'm a big John Bosick fan, and unfortunately he's on the IR, but mm-hmm. I do think that they still have some some pieces and um, you know, it's gonna I think it still can force this offense to make some uh some kind of hasty things happen. Yeah, Chase I think got his that, first sack Sunday. Yeah, I think that their defensive line is really good up top, but kind of struggles with depth. And, you know, again, you've got to have some guys that can rotate in. Um, and their secondary has played pretty poorly. Um, I believe I read somewhere that William Jackson III has been um, pretty pretty rough this season. 
Um, uh, Cole Holcomb's not having a great time as linebacker either. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine. <laughs> so there's some issues there. That that defensive line, though, I mean, the potential's there. They could take over a game if, um, you know, if again any given Sunday. But it, that's I think it'll be an important matchup to to watch with our young our young offensive line versus kind of a younger defensive line. And and you're just talking you know big bodies on big bodies and you know, talent versus talent there. So I think you're talking um, strength on strength as far as our offense versus their defense goes. You're talking about, I mean, I'm not sitting here telling you Washington's secondary is atrocious. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you that their line is better than their secondary or their linebackers. Significantly, yeah. I'd say. But I think the interior matchup is going to be, I mean, obviously the tackles, Chase Young versus Orlando Brown, Montez mm-hmm. Sweat versus Lucas Niang, that's going to be, um, quite quite the battle in itself, but the interior, I mean, they got some guys, Jonathan Allen, who I think is was questionable, um, Matt Iodonis is still there. They have a couple of guys mm-hmm. in that interior who are just like really big, powerful dudes, which luckily we have some, some guys on the interior who, uh, who, are, who can stand up to that. So The best center in football. The best center in football, all, in all yeah. of football. And he's a rookie. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. The Brett Veach haters and are like, shaking. What, the second or third best right guard in the league right now? And he's a sixth-round mm-hmm. rookie? Yeah, the yeah. Brett Veach haters Pretty. are uh, shaking in their boots right now. I have yeah. to oh, say, no. Doug, Garrett, I'm, I'm a Brett Veach hater right now. So I'll... Oh, no. <laughs> Don't let Kyle hear that. We're going to yeah. move on. Uh, what else is there to talk about the <laughs> offense? Patrick uh, Mahomes. I was gonna say Joe Tooney. With speaking of the offensive line, oh yeah, you know, but I think that'll be an interesting one to watch. It's it's you don't want to pull who's essentially your the veteran leader on your offensive line, um, you know, if you don't have to. But that can be a pretty quick problem um, when you're trying to block somebody with a club on. So saw, Joe Tooney is, Andrew Riley, uh, Andrew Wiley running with the ones for some snaps for yes. the backup spot so there. You're playing, yeah. You have some contingency plans. Thankfully, that's a position the Chiefs are deep at. Yeah, which is a weird thing to say. Lucas Niang was <laughs> well, they only have like thirteen ago. of them on the roster to pick from. Yeah, yeah, we have so, a lot. Of, we have a lot of depth for sure. Lucas Niang was also on the injury report. He was listed as a full participant for all three days, but he was on the injury report with a hamstring. And we did see some pictures come out with Mike Remmers taking some first string yeah. right tackle snaps as well. So Chiefs probably just doing some precautionary things, making sure they have the uh, you know the contingency stuff in place on the O line there. Yeah. Um, if they have those injuries, because we still have a couple guys. I mean, we're about to get Kyle Long back in a couple of weeks. We still mm-hmm. have LDT as a, you know, a reserve guard, basically, at this point. Um, so as far as the offensive line go, I'm really not too concerned, and I'm excited to see what they do versus Washington. But yeah. um, flipping over to Patrick Mahomes and the receivers, um, obviously, like I talked about, Patrick Mahomes didn't have his best game on uh, last Sunday. Um, looking ahead towards his Washington defense obviously we talked about how their corners have just not been up to par their secondary their linebackers what do we expect from the chiefs i'm gonna start with lucas what do we expect from the patch mahomes and the chiefs do you think that they dial it up more or do you think uh because the narrative around the, the bills game was that you know the bills they were just playing cover two the whole time two high safety and they're basically just forcing patch mahomes to check it down and take those little underneath shots so do you think that they kind of adjust or do you think they even need to adjust to that kind of style of this game uh, you know, I think um, I think for me, what I'm looking forward to as far as the adjustments is just to kind of really establish the the good connections again. I feel like some of those connections have been lost, um, and I think just kind of reestablishing really like good crisp routes and Patrick Mahomes stepping up in the pocket and kind of just making those connections. I want to see him and 
Travis Kelsey kind of established again. I know he's a tight end, but I would just consider him uh, a receiver. But just really kind of establishing those, you know, maybe giving even Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle some some catches that kind of build their confidence and kind of reestablish that with with Patrick Mahomes again. Josh so Gordon. Yeah. I mean, that's a big one too. And you know, he came out today on Twitter and said that basically the playbook is identical to what he was used to with Cleveland and he's ready to roll. So um, you know, you might see him torch this defense as well. Yeah, it's just it's just going to be I think it's going to be a great opportunity really for Patrick. And, and, you know, I know we're talking receivers, but I also think to kind of build Daryl's confidence, too, as a running back. And he's, you know, getting the start. So, yeah, first career start for Daryl, you know, four seasons with the Chiefs, undrafted free agent. It's a big moment for him. Um, I was actually surprised that was his first career start because I thought he had started one game last year when Clyde was out. But I guess Lev Bell took all those uh, those (laughs) those starts from him. Um, But. Yeah, definitely the receivers, you just want to establish some chemistry again and make sure that just get everything clean, get nice clean routes, clean plays. We don't have to be too gimmicky in this game. Um, it just really is just mm-hmm. want to get back to establishing good, solid Chiefs football. Stick yeah. to the script and don't turn the ball over. The biggest Tom, Tom, don't turn the ball over. Tom, I'm going to read you the uh, secondary here, and I want your reaction. Left cornerback, Kendall Fuller, old friend alert for those um, that have forgotten. Strong safety, Landon Collins. Free safety, Cameron Curl. Right corner, William Jackson III. And I'll even give you the one backup that I think probably will see time, and that's Benjamin St. Just. The rookie. Have fun. I mean, you should be feasting. I I think the other part is you should really – there's nobody who's going to match up with Travis Kelsey. I expect a big Travis Kelsey game. um, And they should probably take some shots downfield with with Tyreek. They're probably – I mean, William Jackson is playing really poorly. He's probably going to get the the Tyreek matchup, um, just because if I remember right, he's more of a, the speed guy. Um, and I will say Cameron Curl is a pretty impressive young player, um, but yeah, he doesn't have a lot of support around him. So um, yeah, I didn't I do. even realize you mentioned the Travis Kelsey thing. They're starting Jamin Davis at middle linebacker. Yeah, yeah that the rookie out of uh, what was it Kentucky? Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Good, good kid, but uh, good kid. Not gonna Travis Kelsey and rookie Kelsey. linebackers is a pretty yeah. fun matchup. I believe the for... matchup for Kelsey might be Landon Collins. I think that's with the the word. If they I'll put Landon Collins that. on Travis Kelsey, I I'll take it. Yeah, that might be the word. But honestly, I mean Travis Kelsey, I think is going to have a huge game. But I'm excited to see Josh Gordon. Um, we saw we Andy Reid actually did come out and say like they intended to use Josh Gordon more in the Bills game. They just ended up you know falling behind and and having to you know obviously not use that kind of tempo. But uh, Josh Gordon, I think if it, if we're playing a more comfortable game with the with the Washington football team and we get up a couple scores early, I think we might see a lot more of Josh Gordon being thrown in there. My only question to the other two would be why in a game where you needed to throw the ball more. Would you put Josh Gordon on the field less if the playbook is the same as what he ran in Childress and whatnot? Like that logic seems to fall <laughs> odd on me. Um, but I think I think for me the only thing is comfortability. I think with like Mahomes having that comfortability of knowing where his receivers are going to be would be my only thing. Honestly, like I completely understand what you're saying, but I think for him, if a play is called and Gordon may not necessarily be on the same page as Patrick Mahomes. That would be my only thing. I would enter into evidence Eric Bieniemy's quote from the press conference last week. 
Since the day Josh got here, Patrick and him have been basically on the same page without fail the whole time. That's what people want to hear. Yeah. I understand that, but if you're going to come out and say that in a sentence and then turn around and say, well, we didn't use him as much because we got into a different kind of... Now, you can't have both of those things and have them both be true. I think the the latter is more realistic, the fact that it just was a comfortability thing. Yeah, I'm fine with him not... Yeah, really, it's just a comfortability. I think I agree with that. And also, I mean, to be fair, he hadn't played a game in, in what? At least the all of this season and the back half of the last season, so... It's one of those things where you just get him caught up. I'm, I wasn't too opposed with it. Just everyone else should should have been more in sync. And, you know, if they had to go up-tempo, if they had to do something in that situation, we don't want to, to thrust Josh Gordon out there right away. But either way, I think he'll get more usage this week and further mm-hmm. weeks to come, especially with Tyreek being questionable with that um, that quad. So um, as far as the run game, though, we talked a little bit about Daryl. Uh, we also have Jarek McKinnon, and we elevated Derek Gore from the practice squad, who showed some juice in preseason. Um, obviously, we had Gale that. Sayers or whatever it was Andy called him in the preseason? <laughs> yeah, number 40. That's what, that's what he said. He came up and was like, you know the other person to wear number 40? Running back, Gale Sayers. And I don't even think, to be honest, I don't even think Derek Gore knew who Gale Sayers was when Andy was telling him <laughs> that. And Gale, or, or, uh, Derek had no idea, but um, I don't know. I'm excited to see what the what gets brought from the run game what they decide to show uh with daryl who's a little bit different style than clyde obviously he's kind of more of a power guy uh you rely on him in more of short yardage situations but he's proven uh in his limited opportunities that he's gotten that he can be a, a decent option at, at the running back position mm-hmm. you know what, what i'm kind of curious over under on his yardage mm, hundo That'd be, a, I think, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd probably I think say sixty. <laughs> I think he's going to end up getting a lot of. I think that the Chiefs are going to take an early lead, and so he'll get a lot of work later in the game. So it wouldn't it wouldn't score me if he got he's got a hundred hundred total yards and a touchdown. That like hundred total yards is interesting because that means you think he's getting frequent, probably targets out of the backfield. Yeah, I could get a couple. Wouldn't be the first time they threw a, a screen to Daryl Williams. No, no, it wouldn't. You know, my question is, is will with Daryl being the starter, does Derek Gore then become kind of your third down blocking back? Is that in his kind of role moving into this, or is Daryl going to be out there one through three and then McKinnon whenever, you know, I, he fit? You mentioned an interesting thing there. I think you might see this game, some things that they've kept Jarek McKinnon that they haven't done with him yet, that they're like, ah, here's a time to try this and see how we go with this. I he may be uh, your third down back from a five mm-hmm. wide perspective. Also, um, Jarek McKinnon has no problem picking up blitzes, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. None whatsoever. Um, this game for McKinnon may mean more than it does for Gore or Williams, even though it's Daryl's first start. Yeah. I could be completely wrong. Andy may not play him a snap. But I think this may be the time period where you're going to find out some of the different things they do and have dialed up for him later points because you eventually have to do those things to make other teams prepare for him. So you got to put them on tape at some point and you're not going to get many more opportunities better than this to do that with. That is true. I think 
without a doubt, there's, we're going to see some kind of interesting wrinkle in the running game. Whether it's a, a big Jet McKinnon game, maybe it's a big Derek Gore game, maybe Daryl gets the majority of the carry. I just think we're going to see something from the running back room that we really just haven't seen this season. Um, and that's no shot to Clyde. It's just I think we're all three of the running backs just offer a lot different traits and compliments than Clyde does. So I'm curious to see what they do, especially from the O-line blocking perspective, kind of seeing the different uh, you know, zone runs they run and all the different counters and stuff like that. Um, I think you, I think you may see more gap and some more power stuff this game with the with the back type that they're going to run. Daryl, like you mentioned, is more of a one cut and go guy. Yeah. Um, now, Jer- Jet is just a can you tackle me because I'm so much faster than you. <laughs> yeah. And I think Derek Gore is kind of more of a one cut and go guy as well, but he showed that. No, that's just a bowling ball with legs. That's all that yeah. is. <laughs> he, it's does, fine he does bowl through people. He, he just, he just runs hard. Like he's not extraordinarily anything. He's just a bowling ball. Yeah. And he watched it all. Like he's, he's got some efficiency to, to him too. Like he's, he's a very to efficient runner. He's so low to the ground and he doesn't ever stop moving, but he's just a bowling ball. Yeah, I agree. Does uh, if uh, Daryl has, we'll say, some consecutive games where it's noteworthy, and even maybe McKinnon or Gore step up, does that put Clyde on, no. on watch? <laughs> no. Not I mean, we're seeing game. it. We're seeing it on the defense. Can that happen on the offense? You're seeing it on the defense with the undrafted dude out of BYU, not the guy they took in the first round out of LSU. There's I mean, a, we're trying to we're trying to win Super Bowls, not it, play yes, favorites. Yes, and in order to and, and I'm telling you right now, the offense and the offensive coordinators and coaching staffs believe that going forward, winning more Super Bowls is dependent on that guy being better in that position. So they're gonna keep giving him chances. I I'm not disagreeing. I just wanted to bring up the point. I know. I'm just telling you. There's. I don't. <laughs> Tom, you have, a, Darryl, you have anything to Darryl say about Clyde? Have 120 yards for the next three weeks. Clyde's still getting the ball when he comes back. I. I'm inclined to agree with Kyle. I think it would be an interesting uh, situation. I think you're more likely to run into a situation where if Daryl does really well, and then when Clyde comes back, if Clyde isn't producing similarly, and they're they're very different, their games are very different um, in terms of production. So um, you you may see a little bit of, uh, as Nate Taylor from The Athletic says, the Tuscaloosa fans, um, you know, clamoring for for more daryl the barrel over uh clyde so um i do love me some daryl the barrel I cannot yeah lie. at the end of the day you know the the best case scenario there is if daryl proves that he can be relied on some more and has a different skill set you have two backs that you can lean on more and so you just have more ways to attack an offense so that's that's the best case scenario in the modern day nfl who your your quote like lead back is is less important unless his name's, you know, Derrick Henry, and that's the offense you're running. Um, so, yes, it'll be interesting to watch, but, again, the best thing that can happen is you see some growth and development from Daryl, and, and there's some more trust there from the coaching staff, and you just have more weapons in your arsenal to attack defenses. And Tom mentioned it, like, with Andy's offense, he doesn't care what your name is in the running back room. They do committee anyway. Like, yeah. this, it's never not been a committee. Yeah. Except for Jamal Charles, and that's because Jamal Charles. So yeah, Andy will like, ride the hot hand. That's mm-hmm. he's shown that. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it doesn't matter who it's Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West. Uh, mm-hmm. God, I'm missing like five dudes that I can't remember their names now because 
they yeah you get the point i'm but trying like, to think who's that one running back we cj spiller yep cj spiller don't don't <laughs> do that i don't think so. he ever played a, even a down for us but who's um, the one that keeps coming to our practice squad elijah mcguire elijah mcguire yeah. from the, oh, the old jet the new CJ spiller. yeah exactly yeah. We've had quite a history bad. of practice squad running backs. And they gave him Darwin Thompson's old number. That's just punishment. That yeah. is tough. Uh, before uh, we get punishment, or was that a slight <laughs> statement to the guy who decided to go to Tampa Bay and actually... their practice squad instead? I think uh, he had that number the first time he was on the practice squad, too. Oh, did he? So, I'm a big number I think guy. He wore I... New York also. Yeah, he definitely wore it with the Jets. I'm a, I, I remember stupid number stuff like that. Speaking of number things, before we get to player predictions, um, a little storyline that did come out of this week um, to look ahead for the game. Uh, Washington will be retiring the late, great Sean Taylor's number, uh, number 21, um, either pregame or halftime. Um, I, we don't have to jump too deeply into the whole conversation about it. Just felt like mentioning that it is happening um, on very short notice. And uh, I love Sean Taylor. I love um, Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor, one of my favorite players good. to watch. Absolutely yeah. sucks how stupid short his career got cut and his life got cut. Um, what? And this will be brief. What Washington football team did with the number retirement here is utter bullshit. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yep. I think just to close that out, I. Jason Wright, the uh, the new president of the Washington football team, he's a really good guy, and he's a former player. Um, so I think that does demand uh, some respect from him. And I, he did come out and, and try to kind of cover this up and say uh, that the intentions weren't like that and everything like that. Um, but just, yeah, it's just a blatant... <clears throat> How did his brother only find out four days ago if they've yeah. been planning it for months? It's a, to yeah. say... To, to keep it to keep it blunt, it's a blatant mishandling of the situation, and we'll leave it at that. Um, so let's get into some score predictions now for the game. Kyle, let's start you off here at the top right. What do you got for us? Well, what I what I typically like to do is make sure we give everybody what uh, our friends over at Tally Site have up and abound for us because they're nice enough to provide us with the line, the spread, and all that. So I'm currently getting their website pulled up here to find that game. So currently, the Chiefs are a six and a half point favorite with the over set at 54 and a half. Um, and I over is, at 54 and a half. Yep, that's what it said at. And the game is in Washington, just so everyone. It's, it's a noon that. kick. It's a well, it's a one Eastern kick in Washington. So, um, I, Kansas City needs to win this game by two or three scores. They there needs to be. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a get-right game on both sides of the ball because both sides have been not right. Um, I know it sounds strange. The Chiefs putting up 3.27 points of possession or whatever. They've also turned the ball over 12 or 13 times in the last, like, five games, six games. Mm-hmm. It, they have to get the stuff figured out. So I'm going to say 38-21. I think the defense probably holds them to some non-field goals. I hope they get a couple. I think they get a couple turnovers. I I think Tyron is going to take advantage of Taylor Heineke's willingness mm-hmm. to put the ball in danger. Um, certain quarterbacks, like we mentioned with him, like to put the ball a little bit in danger, and I think you're going to see some turnovers. Also, a healthy Willie Gay playing his full complement of snaps back on the field and an adjustment of Thornhill on the back end, I just think this defense finally takes the step it needs to against an offense it should control. I like that. I like that. Lucas, what do you got for us? Uh, so quick question for you guys. If you're doing a Chiefs podcast, is it wrong to predict against the Chiefs? No, you can predict against them. Hundred percent. 
No, I'm not going to. I just, I'm always curious because every time I listen to people's episodes, they're always like, yeah, the Chiefs are going to win. And every yeah. year the Chiefs would be undefeated. But if um, we'd have been doing this podcast five years ago, you'd have heard me say, oh, we're going to lose by 10. <laughs> or we're going to lose on a last second field goal because we can't close a game out against the division opponent. Or we can't stop. No, like, yeah, it, I think the mindset's definitely a lot different. Game. It's been it's, a lot different the past couple of years when you have Patrick yeah, Mahomes. 15 makes the predictions a lot harder to predict against this team. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 yeah, I, I think I, you know, because I'm, you know, we did the whole predictions and I'm not getting off on a tangent, but we did the whole predictions with uh, yep. artist chief. And, you know, it felt like each time we just picked a win almost every time. And yeah, I think we all you know, did that... choose the Chiefs to go undefeated. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I so. did try to put a couple losses in there and got vetoed. I will remember like, to remind <laughs> everybody of that. Um, I'm trying to pull up. I'm I'm trying to pull up uh, what I predicted on uh, tally site, but I for a score I'm gonna go 35-17. I will stay in the under. Um, I think the Chiefs have a statement game from a def- our defensive standpoint. I really do, um, and I think our offense kind of gets to the point where they just start running the football, um, and we see some scores mm-hmm. in that aspect. So I'm gonna go 35-17, um, Chiefs. I'm gonna drive. I mean, this is. I'll keep it going here. Thirty-four twenty, Chiefs. I think it'll be um, a pretty, like I said, it should be a good, a good get-right game for both sides of the ball. And um, I think if the defense really struggles against Washington, we may, uh, we may, I'm, I may convince Kyle to hit the panic button. Uh, before Garrett flops his out, the only reason I uh, kept it under 40 is because it's another Andy Reid understudy, and he has a tendency of taking his foot off of the gas pedal and the foot off of the throat of some of his other guy, the guys in his coaching tree once the game is out of hand. So, yeah. Um, and especially because Ron Rivera is one of the best dudes in football. I don't really, there's not really True. much to argue. Working for maybe the worst organization. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, that. that's Ooh. why they did it. That but is unfortunate. That's another conversation for another day. The Jets, but go ahead. The Jets. 
Oh no! I mean, the morally, the worst organization. Standpoint, yeah. as far as a moral from, understanding of like, maybe from an inside the football concerned. standpoint, yeah. But yeah. outside football, yeah, definitely, definitely tough. Um, I'm gonna go a little outside the box here. I'm gonna go 28-27 Chiefs. Um, as much as I would really, 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 really like to see us win by multiple scores, um, and I pretty much predicted that almost every single time. Um, it's just. I just feel like the Chiefs, for some reason, are just gonna struggle. Um, they're just gonna, there's gonna be something that goes wrong in the game, and we're just not gonna have, we're not, it's not gonna be all good tidings for the Chiefs. And I think we're still gonna pull it out, um, but I just think it's gonna be so much, it's gonna be stupidly so much closer than it should be, and we're all gonna look back at the game and realize that it shouldn't have been as close, and we just see some more uh, issues that continue to arise, but. I don't know. I just hope I hope we get cleaned up, but I just have to be I have to be real about it, and I'm gonna go 28-27. So, um, any objections to that? I could see it. If they beat Washington by one point, we have problems. See, and I and I'm that's what I'm nervous about is because I have like this weird feeling that 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 could also happen just the way like I just I really want it to not happen. As much as I believe in this team to not make it happen, I just that's my gut feeling for this game. You're no, you're you're doing exactly what Seth has talked about this week in his Chief in the North. The air of invincibility, which is not the term that I would use for it, but the air of something's gonna go wrong. Yeah. Because we've been Chiefs fans too long and we've been through the ringer on watching it with my inst in my case for almost thirty years mm-hmm. or basically thirty years of for twenty seven of them, for twenty six of them. Like I just talked about with when we were talking about predicting these game scores, I, if we'd have done this a, when I a few years ago, you'd have heard more predictions of Chiefs losing because that's what they did. They found people talk about the Chargers finding way to lose games over the last five, six, seven, eight oh, yeah. years. That used to be what Kansas City did, like by definition. A oh, lot yeah. of that changed with Andy, but it, it, I'm right there with you, man. I'm 33. I I. I remember those days. I really do. And that's a lot of what you're seeing. And this goes for Twitter. This goes for this, for podcasts, for people talking about, you're seeing those skeletons in the closet start to come back out of that closet. And they're starting to get, they're starting to create doubt and worry. And the, the thing that's going to be key is that the team doesn't have that come back and happen. The fan base is whatever. But Kyle, if the roster starts having those kind of thoughts, that's when we have problems. Kyle, because I, I do want to – I'm interested, and I know you guys don't want to make this just an all-nighter, but I'm interested to see why you don't think Brett Beach should at least be held somewhat accountable for what is going on. Accountable for what? My my issue is, is the personnel that we've pushed on this team. In- which, which personnel? Well, here's my issue is if you go back and look at draft picks and I'm just using. Oh, we did last week, but it wasn't on air recorded because it got a little too hot for. (laughs) And and that's fine. And I, I, but my, my issue is, is like out of actual Brett Veach's stuff, what superstar besides unseen, unseen, because he wasn't the one that drafted Patrick Mahomes out of the unseen of Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. What superstar has he drafted? Okay, so I'm done with people trying to take the credit for Mahomes and specifically give it to Dorsey like Dorsey was the no, guy. No, and, I, and I'd say he's a scout. I completely understand. He scouted him, was the head scout. I get all that. Stood on the table, made sure that they threw a fit for him, tried to get him to trade for him. Like, understand people can that. take that from him all they want, but okay, fine. 
typically when you judge a draft class, how long are you supposed to give a draft class before you put a grade on it? I personally give it the entire length of a first first round contract, which is three to four years. Well, in some cases, five because the option. Four, five, Fifth year, yeah. Typically, three to four years for the most part. The yeah. general rule, at least that you hear, is you got to give a draft class at least three years, right? Yes. How many draft classes does he have that are old enough to put a grade on? But how many of those? And I understand what you're saying. I do. But out of those, how many of those players aren't even on the team anymore? You're you're okay. The Breland speaks bias is here. All right, I pulled this no, up. No, last week. look I at it. Look it. at the other ones. There's. I'm others. going to here. Hold on, hold on. I got you because I did this. With Let's Tom break down week. the Chiefs draft classes, everybody. This and is I, quick. This will be quick. Okay, yeah. so. In in the 2018 draft, which is the first draft class of of Brett Veach, it was comfortably his worst draft. He got one starter out of it, right? Derek Nottie. Otherwise, you have Breland Speaks, not on the roster, Dorian O'Daniel, special team only, Armani Watts, special teamer, slash, like, for whatever reason, can't get on the field in front of Dan, and I'm still trying to figure out why on that one, Tremont Smith and Khalil McKenzie. Okay? Bad draft. Got it. Awesome. 2019. Cole Hardman. Starting wide receiver. Pro Bowl. Slot. Pro Bowl. Second, third, but what, whatever. Starting okay. wide receiver. Also, if you actually go look at McCall's numbers, he's been just fine. He's just not been a god, so he's terrible, according to everyone. That's fine. Fine. Juan Thornhill. Absolute Can't. stud. Agreed. And he blew out his knee. Agreed, but... Okay, hold on. I'm, 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 you yeah. asked me this, so I'm Go going ahead. through here. Absolute stud and a starter until he blew out his knee. Colin Saunders, rotational depth, been playing probably one of the playing probably the second or third best at defensive tackle for the last all this season, and was really good his first year until Turk Wharton came in. Also, we also have to remember undrafted free agents count for the GM. Um. Just because Kalen Saunders could do a, dra- a backflip, sir, doesn't mean he's good. But continue Start, on. Your starting slot corner, Rashard Fenton. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Fenton fan, so yeah, I'll set that. Okay. Uh, Darwin, not on the team. Nick Allegretti started at left guard, was probably the best lineman consistently last year for that was on the field other than Eric Fisher. And for a seventh-round pick, tremendous value. Okay. So there's that draft class. Then you go to last year's draft class. Clyde, starter. Willie Gay, starter. Lucas Niang, starter. Legereus Sneed, starter. Michael Dana, starter. Bo Pete Keys on the Colts. and Starter at the Colts. <laughs> forgetting for whatever that's worth. Now they have like nine corners hurt, so that doesn't really count. And then you go to this year's draft class. Nick Bolton, middle linebacker of your future, and been on the field ahead of the guy that everybody wanted off the field, Ben Neiman, in multiple scenarios. Okay. Creed Humphrey, what did we talk about at the beginning of the podcast? Best center in the league right now? Mm-hmm. Second round pick. Josh Kando, stupid athlete, going to be a productive defensive end most likely. We'll still see. That's out for up for debate. Noah Gray, going to get production as he continues. Cornell Powell on the practice squad. Trey Smith, starter and looking like an all-pro in the future and part of this line. You can bang on the drafts all you want. But they do, he's done what he had to do because the other part that we have to remember is he walked into this wearing handcuffs because of the GM before him. But I under, And I understand what you're saying with that, but I also feel that if that's the case and you have the ability to go draft talent like Patrick Mahomes, you need to at least step up. And I feel like some people, and I'm not saying you, Kyle, but I'm saying some people cover up for him a little bit more 
than they should because he did re-sign a Dan Sorensen when he had a Juan Thornhill. And you also still had an Armani Watts on this team. Is Armani Watts not capable of playing a secondary role and passing on a veteran of Dan Sorensen? Are you putting Armani Watts as the box safety? Because I'm not. I'm I'm not saying that, but I'm I'm so saying they that, signed Dan not to be a starting safety. But they signed Dan to be the box guy. And I understand that's a, a coaching thing, but they're still doing it, is what I'm saying. And, and that so, signing okay. came. So if okay, let's put it like this: if I give you all the tools to do your job as mm-hmm. your boss, and yeah. you do your job wrong, whose fault is that? I mean, it's it's a team effort. This is a team effort. If, if I have given you the tools to do your job. That you need, that also, in this instance, because of the how you just mentioned, it's a team effort. It's not like they didn't talk about this. I and guarantee that's the problem. You, Spags and him have conversations about this. But that's the so, issue. Is Brett Veach, who is truly the GM here? Is that my point? If Brett Veach truly is like, why are we bringing back this guy when he's made some key plays, but we know he can't cover? He's a box safety. We almost have that in some some aspects because he was supposed to be the box safety until Thornhill couldn't make the plays or couldn't be on the field or isn't on the field or did whatever he did to Spags or I don't know because they don't you can't know that unless you're in the building. I but you you didn't sign Dan. Dan's on a men deal. Like he's on like a one year like two million vet men one million. De- it's not like they signed him to like a. It's not like he's on Jaron Reed's one year seven million dollar contract who. Where the guy is just up and disappeared. Yeah, and how's he playing? Again, okay, 30 GMs in the league are signing Jaron Reed this offseason. Matter of fact, he was going to Buffalo and took Kansas City over Buffalo. That got reported last week. And I was all for it, but I'm just saying, like, it's just... At the end of the day, you can only put people in positions to do things. He's not on the field. He's not in the locker room. He's the personnel guy. He gave you what you asked for. He gave you what you thought you needed, and it hasn't worked. That's on the players and the coaches at that point. And the draft class questions blow my mind because he's had one draft worth grading and it was his worst draft. And we knew that the second it happened. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I can, can understand. And, and I have never, I, the only place I've seen a fan base turn on a GM and a coach faster is Philadelphia. And it's mind boggling. See, and I'm not necessarily turning on Brett V. I'm not talking specifically about you. No, I, I know. And I'm not, and I'm not, you've seen Facebook. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not hating. Like, I don't hate, and I'm not saying picketing Brett Veach being fired, but I think some accountability needs to be held to him for the fact that, you know, we put all the emphasis on revamping this offensive line because of what that we were going through, that we put such a tremendous... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Highlighting on the issue of the offensive line that the defensive line wasn't fully addressed. And the way we felt we needed to fix that was by kicking Chris Jones out there. I get that that's his natural position, and we wanted to see how he could do. But to to pass on some guys that wanted to come to Kansas City, in my opinion, then just were told, hey, this is what's going on. Chris Jones is going to be playing the outside. Frank Clark is your starter unless legal issues happen. There are, there are guys that they brought in 
to try to get signed that chose to not sign with them. Their own accord. Not Kansas City's doing. Their own choosing. Multiple. On both sides of the ball. Yeah. So, there, you can hindsight 2020 who didn't show up and who didn't do this, but going into this offseason, nobody said a word about the defense being a problem. You know why? Because nobody thought it was going to be. This defense looked like it was getting ready to take a step, especially with what we saw in the preseason. Correct. Preseason. They They also haven't been together on the field since the preseason. Mm -hmm. So the people that want to say, well, he just only focused on the offensive line. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you need five new guys. Yeah. But you also still need a defense. You only have so many eggs that you can put in the basket. And eventually, when you're building a team around the best player on the planet, mm-hmm. goal one is protecting him. Correct. Period. I think also, if you think about all the salary cap stuff that Brett Peach has had to deal with, the gymnastics, signing you know Patrick Mahomes to that Losing big Losing 20% and... of it due to a pandemic that, you know, everybody saw coming. Yeah. I think really to kind of tie a bow on this whole conversation, I think Brett Peach is really far from the blame. I think really... The blame, if we're going to be placing the blame on anyone not on the field, it'd probably be the coaching staff and, and Steve Spagnuolo specifically, just because I, I do agree with Kyle that they, Brett Veach has pretty much given them the tools that they need. They just don't seem to be using those tools right. Like, like they gave you a starting free safety. You said it yourself. Dan's not supposed to be off the field. He's just not supposed to be the damn deep safety playing coverage on tight ends. Yeah, like I can I can understand signing Dan Sorensen to a vet men deal to have him as a backup rotational piece, and that's probably what yeah, run defender, which is probably what Brett Beach kind of assumed that would happen, and then it's kind of out of his control that he's getting all the reps over Juan Thornhill, which is the guy that he drafted, who was supposed to be this you know star free safety. So I think really, and you talked about you know the lack of, I guess, starred players drafted. I think the verdict can still be out on that. But, I mean, if you even look at the past two years, I mean, Clyde, you know, hasn't shown that potential yet, but he could be. Uh, Willie Gay could definitely be a star potential. Lucas Niang, starter, and then Legereus Sneed is on his way to star potential as what well. What was Legereus Sneed being redrafted at last year? Like, like pick five six? overall, yeah. Pick five? You want to talk about stars? That's a star. So I think I can just, I can definitely see the argument that you have, Lucas, about, you know, not all of the picks have hit and there definitely could have been, you know, there definitely could have been some situations where. And no one's picks, not no, no GM on earth is ever going to hit all the picks because we've talked about this a thousand times. They're freaking lottery tickets. Yeah. And I, I get that, but I'm also, and I know where you're going, but I at times feel that he's also been scared to make draft picks and then making moves like Frank Clark and then going and getting an Orlando Brown. And I'm not saying Orlando Brown isn't a talent that should is worthy of being traded for. But if you truly wanted to get an offensive lineman this year, why not just get an offensive lineman in the draft? Yeah. At 30 at at 31, you name me the tackle that you're going to draft at 31 this year. You can go back and look at this draft class. That's as good, even remotely as good as Orlando Brown right now no I, I, maybe i need to clarify i'm not saying we should have necessarily taken or tried to take a, a lineman and like a, a left tackle in that position but what i'm saying is maybe he's gotten enough pressure from like a frank clark situation to where he's like kind of been forced 
to make a move like that and almost feel like, hey, I need to hit on this. Does that you make sense? You can redeem yes. yourself. He I, can, I can see your logic there. Um, so there's two know. things. Veach would be one of the first people to tell you he has accountability in it because that's how they operate as an organization. Every mm -hmm. single piece of this organization has some accountability for what the hell has happened in this first five weeks, and they'll yeah. all tell you that. The difference is we don't talk to him every week. Yeah, He's not a press conference every week. The second thing is Brett's had to take swings on some of this stuff because there weren't options. Mm. You go back and you look at why they went and swung on Frank Clark. Well, Justin Houston was leaving regardless. That relationship was over mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. Um, there's been conversations about his locker room stuff and his leadership. Um, I'll leave that for them to kind of sift through, but that's been reported by guys that are far more wired in than Iowa, than I, we are here that are around that scenario. Um, the McColl draft pick, if you really want to talk about the McColl draft pick, why did the McColl draft pick happen? What was of, the uncertainty leading to that draft pick? Because of Tyreek. Correct. So, but, but you, you took the guy that was the closest thing to what you have as the weapon that you thought was the, was the most important point now of your, of your offense. Tyreek Hill's an alien, okay? Flat out, no question mark, alien. There, there aren't dudes like that because mm -hmm. you hear it every year in the draft now. Oh, he's the next Tyreek Hill. And guess what? It ain't happened yet, and it probably ain't gonna because most of them just can't do that. Now, Brett, I, scared is something I will never describe Brett Veach as because – that dude has no fear of making moves. None. You wheel, deal, dump picks, move picks, sign con like that. He's not afraid to do things at all. But he's also doing it in corroboration with a coaching staff that's telling him, hey, if we do this and this, because that's what we're looking at, we can make this work and go this route and do this and address this and we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So, Yes, you can, there's, and again, every GM is going to have things that, why did you do this? How is that the thing? Why is this the thing? But at the end of the day, what you look at, like, I would tell everybody that thinks that Brett has a problem in the draft to go look at the 31 other teams' drafts and just look at them. And I'd be willing to bet if you went through and did that exercise, he's going to land probably in the top 10 of drafts in draft classes as far as landing on players and viable options and starters and whatnot because you're not going to draft stars every draft you might get one you understandable might. and sometimes you might hit two and then you sometimes you might hit a draft where you have six guys that are starters and they hit he hit five of six last year yeah, and I'd say he's progressively gotten better, I, and I will Again, admit that. there's the other part of it. He's been a GM for three years, and his entirety of doing that is having the best player on the planet with the highest expectations in the league, and there's no middle ground. There's no nothing. You either hit 100% or you suck is basically mm -hmm. what he's gotten told. Yeah. Yeah. And so, to be fair, I mean, you know, in his in his three seasons as GM, he's never not had a championship roster put together. He's never not made a Super Bowl. Yeah. So 
or sorry, AFC championship, championship game. Championship, yeah, championship game. But I meant championship game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should have won the 18 championship game, but the guy that he didn't have anything to do with lined up a foot and a half off sides and cost us the pick. So, so I, I feel like it's pretty good conclusion to that conversation. I think Brett Feach, <laughs> I'm trying to just conclude this somehow. I'll just say Brett Feach is not without criticism for sure, but I also think he's far not from at all. the problem. Um, and with that being said, that'll be about the end of this episode. Lucas, uh, I want to give a shout out to you and let you shout out where we can find you and all of your stuff that you're producing and making right now. For sure. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff on uh, the YouTube channel, which is the beat of KC, Kansas City, excuse me. Um, you can find my face with a beard as my logo on there. Um, I do a lot of uh, been doing a lot of football as of late. Uh, but a lot of my other stuff has been transferred over to the SIA network. One of the biggest things I'm, I'm proud of right now is, uh, the Royals rundown we're doing, uh, Jacob Milham and myself, um, just extremely excited for what the future holds. We just hit the Royals off season. We're already just literally roasting the tires and it's just been incredible. Um, literally trying to grind every single day, putting out articles, uh, on all topics. Picks out this week now. Yeah, I've been just dominating as much as I can. Uh, I just love writing about NFL and what's going on in, in the NFL. So, uh, And then obviously other sports. So really been kind of contributing at the Say It Again Network for sure. And uh, Twitter is the beat of KC. Uh, kind of a lot of personal engagement and kind of just interacting with everybody is where you can find me there. Heck yeah, man. Well, we're super happy to have you at the SIA Network, of course, and to have you on the show and just to, you know, be one of our uh, good friends because, you know, we went to the uh, the opening game with you at For Arrowhead. Sure. That was an awesome experience. And so we're just glad that you're, uh, you know, a part of the team and uh, we're able to join us today. Tonight. They keep losing at home. We're going to just have to make sure we go to every game because they haven't <laughs> lost and we've been in the building. So. That is true. That is that is true statement. So Season tickets next year. <laughs> next year. Hey, I know happen. somebody that's, that's got something to give up. <laughs> all right yeah. anyway uh, you guys make sure you go <laughs> over true. and follow and get in on the contest with caitlin we have two prints yes. available uh thanks to art by caitlin miss caitlin snelling that is the marty schottenheimer print and a mahomes print go retweet the contest go leave us a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast five five star review and a screenshot also as we tell you guys all the time drop a question on there that's timely we'll answer it if we when we get them um and go over to her page on her website and leave her a review there now you can leave them on her facebook page too we'll take those but mostly want to want them on her website because that really helps drive her up those categories yeah so be sure to check that out at kingdom says pod on twitter you can also check out our facebook and instagram at kingdom says pod and uh yeah we will talk to you guys next week for a, a little game recap hopefully it all goes well so hopefully we have a nice fun stress-free weekend so thank God, you all for nice. Yeah, thank you all for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. 
Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer for home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.